From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swalwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. What well, a morning. morning. Good morning. <laughs> Can you believe that? What did we go to bed to to wake up to, Mr. Sunderland? Hey, well, way to throw let, the Northeast Bricky show tell you into about shock. my evening, right? Let, let me tell you about my <laughs> evening. I, I had a nice meal. Mrs. Ted cooked me something nice. I had a glass of red wine. Because yes. uh, ah, that's beautiful. good for my cholesterol, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, yes, nice yep, nice yep. little uh, of Rioja. Very nice. Um, I went to bed because I was very tired. I actually recorded some Christmas carols for charity, mate, uh, on my oh, trumpet and sent that off. It. And got a lovely feeling, festive feeling, you know, at peace. I went to bed. And I woke up this morning and basically the feed on my phone looked like the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> it, it, it's just... It's incredible, isn't it? What a thing to wake up I mean, I lost my phone to. this morning uh, in an incident <laughs> that I can't go into too much detail about. It was uh, it was just craziness this morning as we're dropping the kids off. And then all of a sudden I get the phone back, turn the phone on. 143 messages later through yeah, WhatsApp wow. and Twitter and Instagram... Uh, I've finally found out that poor old uh, poor old Tony Mowbrow Mogger, the Middlesbrough legend, is gone. He's been sacked overnight by Sunderland. Can you believe it, Steve? It's a shock. We've mate. only it got the a... managers on the northeast, mate. It's a shock. We were we were waxing lyrical about having three great managers in the northeast this time last week, and now gone in a puff of smoke. Gone. But... Ted, Ted, Ted did allude to the fact that he'd listened to the interview against Millwall and the, the, the writing was on the wall. Um, yeah. You know, we were putting it down to him, having a bit of a cold and, and you know, being under the weather. Mm, that's what we were saying, chest, yeah. Having a chest infection. But unfortunately, um, you know, the Sunderland board have other ideas. And I'm hearing, whether you like this one or not, that Alan Pardew could be in the running. Former Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> How much chance is Joe Kinnear going back to the tune, mate? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, uh, as always, we, we sit in front of our typewriters like Stephen J. Cannell with the A-Team. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> we plan this show furiously. And then there's a curveball chucked in, which means we'll be talking about this for the first half hour. So mm-hmm. Over to Ted. <laughs> it was a big night though, wasn't it, Ted? Do you know what I mean? It was a big night because we saw, well, we haven't seen it officially, but the rumour has come out through social media and everywhere else that Sheffield United were the first one to strike last night. They went and sacked ma- manager Heckenbottom. Apparently, I, I'm doing yeah, air it's quotes not, here, not people. Yet. All right, yeah. Sheffield United haven't said anything, all right? So it's not it's not confirmed there. Secondly, yeah. we then see Swansea confirmed sack Michael Duff, obviously Michael Duff, the manager of Swansea coming in after um, they they lost their uh, manager to Russell Martin to Southampton. Uh, Michael Duff's only been in the hot seat for a couple of months. He's got sacked. And then the big one that affects us also greatly here on the Northeast Brecky Show is Tony Mowbray sacked uh, after 15 months in charge. Now, Ted, my biggest question is, what happens to Bradley Duck? (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I don't think that's the big question. <laughs> I don't, at this stage, I don't think it's even a question. <laughs> um, tell, tell you what as well, we might have a hat trick because Ten Hag uh, just uh, was another yeah. thing. After I'd done the headlines last night and send them to you lads, I yeah. genuinely, genuinely, genuinely couldn't believe what I was reading about um, our friend Ten Hag at Manchester United. Oh. And basically, the, there's a report coming out to see he's lost half the dressing room. Um, and he's, he's, it sounds like he's running it, you know, uh, you know, running this tough regime, which the players really just don't like. So a lot of that would make sense. So I just wonder whether Ten Hag is, is teetering across that uh, little plank, mm. you know, headed off the boat and is going to fall into the shark-infested waters as well, because um, doesn't look good at Manchester United at all at the moment. But um, why is it December? Why is it December when everyone seems to strike and, and fire it's before all their the managers? transfer market opens again, man. Nah. It's, it's, it's obviously. They're wanting to put somebody into place if they are going to spend money, because I genuinely don't think Sunderland are going to spend money, and I think this is part mm. of the fallout with, with Mowbray. Now, you could argue that Mowbray knew the brief before he came in, that there wasn't a lot of money to spend at Sunderland. Um, you know, I, I forget who it was. One, one of you guys were very diligently told us about the uh, the wages that were being paid out. I think it was you, Rai. Yeah, it was, uh, it was and we're me, somewhere yeah. like we're, I think we're like twenty first in the championship yeah, yeah, for wages 21st. paid out. Yep. Yep. So Sunderland are trying to do it on the cheap, but I want to read a Brian Clough quote or, or, or words from from the great man. The Brian Clough always said that if you sack a manager, you should also sack the man that employed him. And I think uh, Christian Speakman has taken the credit for a lot of... Uh, Stuart Harvey's our, our chief scout. Stuart Harvey's an absolute genius of a scout, by the way. And I think Speakman's actually taken a lot of credit for, for Harvey's work uh, in scouting good players. But to be honest, his next job is to appoint the manager. And Speakman, for me, is doing nothing to add value to the club. Absolutely nothing to add value to that club. Um, the sporting director position for me has never worked. Um, I... I I can't think of a time when it ever has been successful in, in any football club, you know, and they've tried it. God knows they've tried it. Um, I, I think it's very harsh on Mowbray at this stage. Yes, there were faults there. I, I said to you, lads, tactically, I just felt like we didn't have a plan B. Um, I, I, I thought our approach play was just becoming far too predictable. Um, Mowbray's comments in, he, in his final interview were even kind of almost alerting the rest of the championship to the fact of, yeah, we can control games, but we never look like, like scoring. So he's basically inviting the other 23 teams to go and defend deep and just hit us on the counter, and eventually you'll just frustrate us. Um, I'm, delighted this kind of like... I'm delighted this has happened before the 6th of January, to be honest, because yeah. <laughs> had this been the, the weekend before the Cup game, the, you would have had one of those bounce-back situations. So I, I, yes. I'm happy it's happened now, to be perfectly honest. Like Newcastle, yeah. A lot of Newcastle fans were sharing that kind of, that, that, that kind of feeling last night. You've been remarkably optimistic that Sunderland have their brown stuff together and actually will appoint a manager right away, though, Steve. <laughs> I, think that, I think they'll have somebody in the background. I mean, the Pardew, stuff is, the, the Pardew stuff is a strong story. He is looking to get really? back into management. It is, that's, he is that's a manager. A joke now. But, but so is Steve is, Bruce. Well, Steve Bruce is yeah. looking to get into the... He's going into How's the bacon? Now, He's how's the big he's going international he's not going he's not going back into club football but Paul you Paul you would enjoy that and I was just catching up on the WhatsApp messages before I came on and um, I think mm. it's a good shout to see Mugger maybe he's going to Swansea because I mean he, he you know yeah. that kind of remit I think he'll end he does, up yeah. I think he'll end up back in a job quicker than you know quicker than some managers would 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree. think he's I a good fit agree. for Swansea because of the the way they used to play under under the likes of Monk and Brendan Rodgers. It's that similar sort of style, so he fits into the identity of the way they want to play. And obviously, they've got more money than what Sunderland have to spend. Um, because I'm, I'm starting to question whether we've actually got any at all, to be honest. But there you go. Ted, Ted, um, well, I reckon. Ted, please don't mention the name Gary Monk on here, please. It's, <laughs> it's not welcome. Right? It's, it's not necessary. Don't ever do it again. I know you're having a bad it's day. Just too big. It was this just too big for the Sunderland club, man. This morning. <laughs> <laughs> we got to say good morning to Daz as well, filling in good the hot morning. seat as Dave has had a sleep in, and we have got a sick. Poor old Daz in the hot seat today. So we're going to be kind to him. We're going to keep him just on the buttons this morning, aren't we, mate? It's part just, of that uh, WhatsApp group, how anyone can have a, have a sleep in, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible, isn't it? Listen, guys. It is. With matchsticks in your eyes. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> the time difference is killing yeah. everyone. Um, already we've had a message in here this morning from uh, Ian in Saltburn uh, on the WhatsApp uh, who was just saying, Ted, that this is a crazy decision. If those who run the Mackhams think they should be in a better position, they're deluded. Ninth and challenging for the playoffs. Where do they realistically think that they should be? I mean, no, no he's right. Yeah. He's right. I mean, playoffs. Playoffs is always going to be the ambition. It was kind of you know to try and go one stage further than what we did last season. Yeah. Now, I, I, I get what he's saying, but at the same time, there the, the just seemed to be this this drop in in intensity in the performances, and even even Mowbray said that now. As a, as a head coach of, of a you know a championship club, a, a top end championship club as well, when you're seeing in your press conferences after a game, you don't know where the intensity gone, you don't know why this and you don't know why that. As much as I love Mogger and as much as I rate him as a coach, and I absolutely do, he's he's introduced a brand of football to Sunderland that I've never seen in my lifetime, and you know yeah. me and not ever again because yeah. some of the football has just been superb. But when you're saying in a press conference as a professional coach, a head coach of a big club like that, saying you don't know where this has gone and you don't know why this is happening, then you should, <laughs> is, 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 yeah. is, is the honest truth. You should know why the intensity dropped. You should know why this is. Now, I guess, I guess there's a whole other side of the story to this and, and whatever's gone on behind closed doors between Mowbray uh, and, and the ownership of the club and the, and the sporting director as well, which... Yeah, that that those words just stick in my throat anyway. But <laughs> the the writing has been on the wall a little bit, and there's been sort of this this air of negativity. We, we even said it just yesterday. We said when we we're listening to the the, the after match interview, saying there's something not right, and yeah. and, and it's it's come to a head very quickly. Um, and and now we're, we're looking for another manager. I'm personally gutted. I really am. I'm I'm disappointed to see Mowbray go. I think given time. And more importantly, Mr. Speakman and Mr. Louis Dreyfus, if you'd given him some money to spend, then things would have been different. Should we have a listen to that? Should we have a listen to that mugger? Um, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that, but uh, uh, the computer says no <laughs> this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the computer well, sucked sick, him as well. <laughs> I mean, we were saying that. We, we said that. I mean, he was sick. He, I mean, uh, Mark Venus, he's, uh, he's obviously ever elusive. Uh, number two was doing the press conference a, a week or two ago yeah. because of a bad chest infection, we were told. Now, like Steve said, we all thought that the reason he was a bit down or a bit sort of I guess, you know, it's just a bit different in his presses. He wasn't the normal Mogga, you know, full of life, full of chocolate sort of thing. He just seemed a bit sort of, you know, down on his luck a little bit. And like you said, giving away 
you know, in, insider sort of things of, of how bad Sandalin are at the moment. Just really doesn't, you know, it wasn't, it, we just didn't connect the dots. I, I honestly sat there and said, oh, he's just sick. You know what I mean? He just sounds a bit down. You know, he's, he's, he's getting over a bad chest uh, infection. It's, you know, it's blooming cold in the Northeast at the moment. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, connecting the dots now, you look back and you go, oh, wow. You know what I mean? It is interesting to see. You know, when, especially when he says stuff like, you know, we can't score. This is how you break us down. If you yeah. just sit there and defend, if you nullify Jack Clark, under the, under and, the you know, strikers aren't ready. Yeah, exactly, and that, exactly that. You know, Sunderland obviously, you know, and that's a straight strike to the recruitment department, isn't it? You know, if yes, that's it how is. it works, do you know what I mean? Then you know, Mog has obviously had no, you know, no well, say in any of those strikers coming I'll, in. Has I'll, he? I'll just, just pick you up on them. that little bit, mate. I'll pick up on that little bit in the recruitment department because uh, Stuart Harvey, uh, the the head scout, is a phenomenal scout. He brings a lot of players to the door. It's Speakman who makes the decisions and, and does the negotiation and seeing who Sunderland can, uh, well, what, what would he say, fit into the ethos of the club. Basically, how, how, how much can we get for spending very, very little that mm. that's that's the stumble knock. It's not the recruitment department. The recruitment department is up there with with the very very best. Harvey's brought, you know what, brought through some. You know it reminds me players. of Daz. Yeah, the Victor Order days. Remember him, Victor Order. Yeah, and yeah, then he yeah. also went over to Leeds. But Victor Order, when he was in, he was out in Middlesbrough. Now nah, we had the same similar situation. He just seemed to be a little bit too much fingers in the pudding a little bit, and just sort mm-hmm. of you know was bringing in. The wrong people at the wrong time and and you know it was it was the Ator Karanka sort of you know era yeah. which obviously you know had some success in there but you know we see mm-hmm. Victor now who has obviously been sacked at Leeds thinking and you know Leeds if you ask any Leeds United fan they absolutely you know hate hate him now for yeah. what he did there so it's yeah. it's funny how you've got these certain men in position as well so it's going to be a big show we're going to talk about Mogger a lot but I also want to talk about another rumor and again I'm going to make sure that we say it off with the rumor but I want to talk to Steve about this because Former Manchester United, Spain goalkeeper David De Gea is open to joining Newcastle as the Magpies consider bringing in him as a free agent to cover Nick Pope. Obviously, Nick Pope injured with that dislocated shoulder. But could this be any rumour or any truth uh, to it? Because all the the rumours this morning on the the papers, Stevie, is that uh, David De Gea is your new man. Yeah, it's not gone down well at all with Newcastle fans. Um, <laughs> we discussed it last night on UFC Matters and um, I'd say 75% of the lads said no, 25% of the lads said yes, but, you know, on short-term loan only whilst Nick Pope recovers. You know, I mean, the news on Nick Pope isn't good. It looks as if he potentially, you know, is, is going to be out until at least April. Um, you know, the season's over and, you know, there's pointless rushing him back. He's 31-year-old. He's had a, a shoulder dislocation in the past and you know essentially it, it's it's you know not going to be a good diagnosis whatever whatever comes out it's going to be a long layoff so he just joins the the ever-growing list of walk and wounded but yeah we've got two keepers who are you know both capable of playing in the premier league and have both been training at the same level as nick pope so martin Dubravka, no stranger to newcastle fans a fan's favorite it has to be said until he chose to go to Manchester United on loan, you know, obviously to better himself, better himself and, and give himself, uh, you know, a, a chance of regular first team football because he fell out of favour when Nick Pope came in, but ultimately moved to Old Trafford and pronounced that it was the best, you know, great to be signing for a bigger club. I mean, you know, it, it didn't endorse himself to most of our fan base that and it's been a struggle for him to get back in because Nick Pope's been in, in great form. Um, now he's got the chance. Now he's got the chance to, to go on and do something. I mean, 
you know it's fair to say that he's you know he's coming in at a time when you know Newcastle United you know once they get their players back um you know are going to have plenty of competition in all the places and and hopefully be still challenging on you know two or three fronts so from from my perspective Nick 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 Pope's injury is a is a blessing for Dubravka he's got this opportunity to you know to reestablish himself in in the first team as for as for our reserve keeper well Carius you know he, he stepped in and mm. played in the Carabao Cup final um, you know, Carius is is underrated for me. He's he is a good goalkeeper. Um, people only remember him for the howler in the uh, the Champions League. But from my perspective, he's a good goalkeeper and he's a he's a great person to have on the bench as a reserve. And then you know you you, you dip down into you know the likes of Gillespie. Um, you know, a Geordie lad who knows what it's all about. Apparently he's <laughs> apparently he's really popular in the dressing room and. You know, he's he's just living out the dream, isn't he? He's a Newcastle fan sitting in that dressing room as as you know at, at the most exciting period we've had for many a year. So we're not struggling in the goalkeeping department. If there was an injury to come to a goalkeeper, then it was always going to be a case of well, we've got we've got good we've got good keepers in reserve. But De Gea, no, I, I I've got to be honest. Um, if I, I can't I can't see it happening. I, I think the wages would be an issue. Okay, he's a free agent. He'd be able to he'd be able to take a drop. Um, I think the quality of De Gea. Is is there for all to see? I think he would still come in and do a, a job. People saying at Manchester United, his kicking was off, and that was that was one of the reasons that the Ten Hag got got shot of him. But you know, I think I think De is world class, and you know would certainly you know would certainly give Newcastle you know would give Newcastle an improvement. But I I just can't see it happening. I, I'd be very surprised if it does. Um, I think there are there are more pressing positions that Newcastle would need to strengthen in long term. They need to bring in another striker. Callum Wilson is you know injury record is there for all to see when he's not when he's not injured he's a great striker but I would say that you know Isaac's had his injuries as well since he came to the club we need we need another one if not two strikers moving forward you, you need to have four that you can rotate like all the good teams but there's more pressing positions than a goalkeeper so to hear no I, I don't think it'll happen mm, interesting it will be interesting to watch and see won't it it will be but we got to uh, we we're almost here at the six thirty for your sports headlines. But we got some other pressing matters, and I'm I don't know about you, Sunderland fans, but I'm eager to hear uh, six thirty news headlines this morning. <laughs> it's a time <laughs> difference thing. Oh, somebody went a bit Aussie. Looked at the wrong clock. I've done the Aussie. I apologise. I love the fact that I planned the show and Rise just taking it over as well, Ted. I'm sitting back. I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to sit back and smoke a cigar. I might start drinking. I might start drinking. Look at me go. All right, I'm sorry, Steve. What What do you want to do next? I don't mind. Nothing, mate. I'm just going to take the day off. Like Dave, <laughs> <laughs> sending sending his colleague sending his colleague in. You, what? You, I've got a cold, Dave. I, I can't really do it tomorrow. No, get yourself in there. Get yourself in. Crack the whip. <laughs> It's all about sharing uh, on here, lads. It's all about sharing. Anyway, I, I am bringing something. With it being the festive season, lads, I am bringing something to the table. And that's why I wanted uh, Daz to, to, to find that lovely jingle that we've got. So Ooh. I'm going to bring you a Christmas joke, lads. Um, oh, yeah, because my attempt at doing a what the fact kind of thing didn't quite work. You know, it was spoiled. You cracked it straight away. I thought, well, at least with a Christmas joke, I'll I'll get the laughs, and it can all be about me, lads. So, um, <laughs> so the spirit of Christmas. It's all about me. Christmas. So, yo, go, lads. Why is Elon Musk's Christmas dinner so awkward? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. He can't stop talking about his ex. 
Oh my god. <laughs> the thing is, it's not bad I'm gonna oh use my. it. <laughs> That's why we love Jason's studio. <laughs> He's got all the buttons, he knows where they are. Oh Speak, speaking goodness. of uh, <laughs> Speaking of what the fact, obviously we're, we're gonna have to postpone it until tomorrow because we've got a lot to get through yes. today. Okay, uh, but Darren, yes, yes. Is uh is has Dave left you some instructions to play something? He has, yes, yeah. yeah. Um so yeah. Uh, because I, I, obviously I, I spent thousands of euros on the on the production of this, um, and, and to be honest, I mean it's it's almost bankrupted me. But thankfully, I've produced something of absolute quality that's only going to propel this show forward, lads. And, and you know it's going to help us in the future, I think. No, so I mean, uh, do you want a little? Uh, do you want a little listen to the new theme tune for for yeah. what the fact? <laughs> Yes. Yep, here we Does, go. Can, can yeah, yeah, yeah. Up? Yeah, just just hold on to your hats, that's all I'm Cost I'm thousands, say. lads, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like like be prepared. This is top production. Is it like Johnny Briggs? Like... Oh no 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 no. This this is this this big Johnny Briggs any day of the week, this. Absolutely. See, here if, we you go. Can, see if you can match the go. tune. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, and gentlemen. Yes. Please prepare yourselves for the theme tune <laughs> for what the fact. What 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 the 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 fuck 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 it's tense what the fuck 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 it's tense what the fuck what the fuck wait for it. Chorus. Arms in the air. Arms in the air. I've got my groove stand on. So there we go. Uh, I mean, oh, oh. it just gets better. Don't you worry. I think. I, oh my I think God. what that needs is a. My cheeks hurt. <laughs> was that produced by Adrian? <laughs> yes. Do you know what? What I loved was just picturing him doing that in his in his room with his headphones on, with a smile on his face. Yeah. Knowing that this he's is a banger. This. Yeah. <laughs> I toiled away for minutes on that. <laughs> oh, great. Brilliant. I love it so much. My cheeks it's hurt all, laughing It, it stays oh now. That's it. That's yep. it. It's 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 it. Oh, that is. I'll only change the theme tune next year if I get beat. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, um, what's your take on uh, on Steve Bruce, lads? Because he's he's now, um, you know. Speaking of himself, jokes. Pitching himself for the <laughs> Irish international job, the island job. I mean, does this guy know new ends, you know, to his managerial talent? Um, <laughs> it would be like it? a going home for him, Steve, because, I mean, the potato returning to the land of the potato <laughs> would be uh, quite apt, I think. Has he looked at, I mean, he's clearly looked at the old Jack Charlton stories, hasn't he, where Jack used to go across there, write a cheque, and the, 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 the barman would never cash the cheque. And he would be, you know, he'd be drinking there for free for years. He's clearly looking at the bonuses of, of, of it. Probably do the same in the in the kebab shops over there. <laughs> and, and and from his perspective, <laughs> it, it's not. It, it's he just he's never been off the TV since he left Newcastle. He's 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 so desperate for work. From the man who said he was never going to work in football again, he is so desperate. 
So, you know, is, is, is he past it now, lads? Or, you know, is he... I mean, would you entertain him at Sunderland again, Ted? Absolutely not. I wouldn't even entertain him for a Christmas do. <laughs> no, honestly, it's a it's it's bemusing how that man is. What what's the old Jose quote? He's a specialist in failure. He's never yeah. won anything. How can you go through a career so much and be you know spend times around with with good championship clubs and Premier League clubs and just not win a single thing? He's yeah. he's a, a a dreadful manager. Absolutely dreadful. It's. Uh, I, I mean, the, the amount of money he's made from failure is absolutely sinful. So, I mean, I'd consider it. The thing is, the thing is when Brucey goes in, he always goes in. Uh, you know, this was, this is the one attraction to Mike Ashley. I think I, I think he hoodwinked Ashley. He, he loves going in mm. with... Um, he, he likes to go in on a low wage. That's, that's the attraction, I think, to any owner. But it costs, like it does with most managers, a fortune to get shot of them. So I think that was probably the attraction to Mike Ashley in the short term. And he knew that long term he wouldn't be sacking them because he was going to sell the club. So it was a masterstroke by Ashley. Um, but I think that's where Bruce is, Bruce is certainly, to a lot of clubs, looks like a short term answer. I'm just surprised that he's going to go down the international route if that if if that is the case if he is if he is on the shortlist if he is somebody who's interested in going there and whether they put him on the shortlist it would be interesting but I, I think I think he's part of a different age now I I think his time's moved on yeah. I'll be I'll be very surprised if he gets in there but but yeah I mean he he's just one of those people who just since he left Newcastle he just can't stop talking about us and, and you know he's he's almost trying to create a, a, a false narrative of, of, of the past you know and, and he did this and he did that and he is starting to get a Newcastle fans wick I think more than he was when he was a, he was actually manager but uh, t- what's, what's your thoughts right do you think he's do you think he's past it do you think he's do you still think he's capable of, of managing a team Steve Bruce well, it's interesting to hear like what he actually had to say in, in terms of this whole sort of situation, putting himself forward for the Republic of Ireland job and saying that it suits him. But the thing that I think it, it, it just sums it up here where he says, it's the longest I've been out of the game. I was unbroken for something like 46 years. And unfortunately, I've now had a year out. I'm itching to go back in and it doesn't necessarily have to be as a manager. I wouldn't mind helping a young manager, helping a club in any way. I'd like to think that after 46 years, if someone asked me a question about football, I'd be able to answer it. Well, you know, unless they, unless he mishears you and hurts bacon, you know what I mean? Then you, you know, then you got nothing. So there's, it's, it's, I think he is absolutely got obviously experience, like obviously in his playing days and manager experience that you can't, you can't pay and you can't beat experience. But in the terms of the last couple of jobs he's had in the teams he was putting out, I liken it to the West Brom one. That was the most recent one that I saw a Steve Bruce team up against and, you can see his style of play is completely outdated. This new management style of playing it out from the back doesn't work with some of the old school managers. And it seems to be a bit of a changing of the guard and maybe with Mogger, maybe with Bruce, maybe with some of these older heads now, we're starting to see that older style of football being moved out and the new the new young man's game of this playing out from the back with the Pep Guardiola yeah. style, if you will, seems to be Full taking over and everyone wants this. Yeah. Yeah, everyone wants this young managers sort of thing that can do that. So I don't think Steve's, you know, going to get a... You know, I think an international job is probably his best chance to get back in because, you know, they, they only play ever so now and then. I mean, the way he'll play it, you know, I guess will be dependent, you know, on that as well. But, you know, and Republic of Ireland, I guess, you know, they're not, you know, world beaters. And I don't mean that by any disrespect. It's just, you know, they're, they're not one of the, you know, the, the top world clubs, uh, sorry, international uh, teams sort of thing. So... 
you know, maybe that's a good job. I don't mind the idea of him going in as a, as a head of football somewhere. You know, I'd like him to maybe even at Sheffield Wednesday, someone like that, who's, who are hiring young managers now, Rotherham as well. You know, some of those teams that are real down the bottom of the championship uh, that have young managers in part, you know, he might be able to be good as a bit of a head of football and use his contact book, you know, to get in touch with people and stuff like that. Cause he'd know a lot, you know, if not everyone in the football world. So yeah, I, I think he's well past it now for sure. I don't, I just think it's a, it's a young man's game and the style of football is completely different to what Brucey wants to play. Daz thoughts on Steve Bruce before we go to sports headlines. No. I was just having a little sneezing fish. Insightful fist. journalism. I was having a little sneezing fish. It's hardly the cook report, is it? And that's your headlines. So sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, the answer is still no. I mean, I. I I think he is one of those, um, one of those managers that that is becoming out of fashion, um, and and yet he might fit in with a club that is struggling. Um, you know, and you, you mentioned a couple there, Rye, or, or even further down a league that that you know maybe are stuck in the past and maybe do need you know that that sort of kick up the backside that he or, or that experience that he may bring to a team. But I'm I'm not convinced that you know he, he can do a job anymore really in the in, in the, at this level uh, the championship and um, no I'm I'm not a, I'm not a massive fan of, of Bruce I'm I'm in the Steve camp with this one um, uh, you know it I, I I don't know where his place is in football I'm I'm certainly not sure it's an international uh, team unless it's uh, you know, as I tell you, I fancy actually for the Irish job, and he's he's one of your former Borough favourites as well. Uh, it's Curtis Fleming. Mm. He's oh, been really? a proven coach. Oh, wow. You know, Curtis Fleming's done an he all right is, job yeah. as, as a coach yeah. wherever he's been. Um, yep. You know, he's had a couple. Of, he had a caretaker role at Crystal Palace once. He was the interim yep. manager of Bristol City. He seems to be. A, a, a well-regarded coach of football. Now, that's the key thing there, and, and, and Daz just sort of hit the nail on the head that Steve Bruce is the kind of manager, and I'm using the air quotations again, nobody wants a manager anymore, they want a head coach. Mm, and yeah, and right. I think somebody like Curtis Fleming, you know, he's, he's worth an outside shout for that island job. Mm. Yeah, no, you, you, we had him at, uh, as a first-team coach when um, with Tony Pulis. Uh, mm. Tony Pulis brought him in, and everyone loved him. Apparently, he the way he coached and the way... He, he did a lot of the work behind the scenes. Tony Pulis, obviously, being the, the manager, as you say, at that, that time, because, you know, he's yeah. busy recruitment. They have, you know, they had a lot more to do back then. Now with the head of football, where they just focus on training and all that, Curtis Fleming is probably, you're absolutely right, your man. He was the, he's the one that took our training. He was the one that tried to improve the first team in terms of performances and stuff like that, while Tony Pulis did all the, you know, the gaffery stuff off the pitch. And when he left, everyone was absolutely, you know, upset because he actually left uh, after Tony Pulis left. So... Uh, and I think his last job was at QPR. So, you know, he, he was helping out. Um, he was helping out. Uh, and then Bristol City, maybe. I think he went to Bristol City under Nigel Pearson as well. So, yeah, yeah um, he did. you know, I think he, he's got he's got the, you know, he's definitely got the experience. As And you're absolutely right. I think he'd be a great shout. Okay. Just after half past seven, time for the sports headlines. <clears throat> um, do we want the... Do we- <laughs> I, I am on top of this, but do it. Do it. <laughs> really? 
Do you want to do that for the game, guys? Do you want to take another run at it? No, all I was thinking is we haven't done the team headlines yet, so you know. No, no, no. We'll do that after that. We'll do that after that. Okay, that's absolutely fine. I tell you what, we'll cut this out when he goes out live. So, so do you want to do that bit again, Steve? This is the Christmas Day show, isn't it? Right. Uh, it's time for the sport headlines. <laughs> Darlene Love on the cat, the turn yes. of the red. <laughs> Darlene Love. Uh, all alone at Christmas. Uh, you won't be all alone at Christmas oh. because we've got a northeast footy brekkie on Christmas Day. Um, yeah, uh, we a do. very special Christmas show. How about that? Yes. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. Can't wait. We are tuning in. Give us the latest odds then on the Sunderland manager, Ted. You were looking at them during the break. Yeah, I was looking at them during the break. I, I mean, not, not that I'm a betting man, um, but yeah, John Eustace is currently the favourite to get the job at 6-1. to one. Wow. Uh, Then you've it's got three uh, potential uh, candidates there. Well, you see a smart choice. His win percentage isn't great, like, but, you know, uh, it's, mm-hmm. well, we'll see. Uh, three, ex- well, three managers who are currently looking for work who are at 8-1, to one, which is Nathan Jones... Uh, Kevin Muscat and Neil Warnock to be wheeled out of the retirement <laughs> home. Neil Warnock. Um, I know. You don't yeah. wheelchair him. To be man. honest, you don't I, sack I, I get Warnock in. <laughs> nah, nah, I, it I just can't doesn't happen. It doesn't make it's, sense. Weirdly, that now I'll, I'll come back to the odds in a second. Weirdly, there was there was a, a coach that was linked with us um, in pre-season, if you remember. Um, and the fans went absolutely crazy that like the the team could be even considering swapping. Yeah. That manager who uh, Louis Dreyfus was speaking to him was uh, is quite friendly with is Francesco Farioli, um, who has currently got Nice at number two in League One at, at this moment mm. in time. So thirty four year old coach who clearly knows his stuff. Like he's uh, he's he's taken Nice pretty far with that. But anyway, back to the odds. Um, oh God, Carl Robinson. No, thank you. Uh, Carl Robinson at twelve to one. I mean, Tyrone. Wasn't he in Neighbours? Right. He was. What, oh, what was the Still horrendous is. song he had? Oh, anyway, Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. That's it. Yeah. Gonna yeah. make you feel Close. good. That was it. That's the song. That's the song. Oh my god. That could god, be the new horrendous. song that you run out to. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I wish something would make us feel good. Also, at twelve to one, uh, we've we've it's 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 our friend and and, and yours. Uh, it's the 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 nice lady from Home Alone Two who feeds the pigeons. It's Steve Bruce. Um, there's hey. one odds, one odds is he? Twelve to one. What? Wow! No Fantastic. way. He's no he's the way. same odds as Julian Sable uh, or Sabler. I, I should uh, sorry. Pronounce my <laughs> pronounce my French like as bad as Rye, does it? Uh, Lee Carsley is twelve to one. Stop computer. Steve, <laughs> Lee Carsley, yeah, uh, twelve to one. Obviously, the current England under twenties manager, Stephen mm. Schumacher, the Plymouth Argyle coach. That's not a bad shout, you know. He's done all right. Mm. He could uh, drive you to the top of the league. The one- <laughs> yes, oh, I love that. I love that. Hang on, hang on, uh, hang, on hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, go on then, go. There we go. <laughs> Beautiful. Worth the wait. Well, Radio your goal. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what would have shown this 
can't believe I just used that expression on this show. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. um, so the the one, the other one that's at twelve to one, and the one that I think will be will potentially be the one to come in is Paul Heckenbottom, who obviously has history with the club. He was a player at Sunderland, although he didn't feature much. Uh, granted, um, I, I think he's probably the one for for me that will probably come in and get it. Um, although you think there are there's... a few people saying John Eustace might be the the other good alternative. Do you think there's any truth in it, Ted? And I know it's all rumours at the moment and that, but that the, the, the MOGA situation has been, I guess, fast-tracked because of Paul Heckenbottom's potential departure from Sheffield United. Do you think there's any sense that MOGA or even Swansea in sacking of Michael Duff, any, that any of those two were triggered after the news that Paul Heckenbottom might be available now? No, and I'll and I tell you what, I mean, I would, I, would, I would like to see Paul Heckenbottom in personally, um, but... There is something that's counting against him, and that is what Paul Heckenbottom said in his last interview as Sheffield United manager or head coach, which was the fact that, um, you know, blaming the situation that they find themselves in on selling players before the season started rather than recruiting heavily. Um, that, that ain't going to go down well with Sunderland ownership because, you know, we're currently shopping a pound land. Yes, we are unearthing the odd gem here and there. That's, that's, that's granted. Uh, once we get round to the headlines, you'll you'll see why we're able to pick those those sort of deals up. Um, but yeah, I think that's the one thing that's going to count against him. Uh, it's going to take a special sort of coach who comes in and saying, "There's a bunch of kids. There's no money in the pot. Crack on and get us into the playoffs." And it's mm. it's going to take a special talent to do that. We we need to now unearth somebody like Kieran McKenna who's down at Ipswich, um, who who can come in, organise well. Uh, and I mean, apparently he's a meticulous organizer. We need to unearth one of them who's who's willing to work with next and out. Unfortunately, Un- unless the ownership. So if you're if you're, if you're sitting in that boardroom today, Ted, right? You're sitting in that boardroom. It's your call, right? They go right. We've loved you on the Northeast Brecky Show, Ted. Your smarts absolutely blow us away. Your trumpet skills are second to none. Please tell us who our next manager is going to be. Who is it? Who do you make? Who do you pull the pin on? <laughs> Mate, it's such a tough one. It really is. It's between John Eustace and, and uh, Paul Hickenbottom for me. It's got to be. Mm. Okay. Eustace okay. is a good shout, okay. like, because, I mean, you know, he was, you know, uh, doing a great job before he was rudely interrupted at his previous mm-hmm. club. Um, and we know how that went. Um, but he's, he's definitely one who I would say would be able to come in and do the job. Hickenbottom is interesting because of his current, you know, managerial situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's whether... You know, but I think you're. I think he could be right. You know, sometimes this is the way it works in managerial merry-go-rounds. Uh, one manager goes because another manager's going, and you know the the, the deal's already been done behind the scenes. Um, but it's it, it it's a nightmare when you when when your club is being run. You know, as Sunderland has been run at this moment in time. Um, you know, it takes me back to those dark days of Ashley, where you know you 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 know your place. You know that you know that this is the way the club's been run, and the you know your your options are limited. You're not going to get mm-hmm. somebody who's going to be able to come in and spend a fortune to get you where you want where you want to be. Um, you're working to a, a strict budget scheme, and the manager has to deal with it, and that's it. And I, I guess the majority of clubs are like that in in a lot of ways, but. It's it's so frustrating because then you can cross off at least three or four people on that list and go well they're not going to come and and do that so you're left you're left with two or three who who will come in, um, you know, uh, is it the right time to sack your manager? You know, Sunderland, uh, you know, Sunderland aren't you know miles away from the playoffs. 
um, which is where the you know the, the genuinely at the start of the season are they looking and saying we're going to go up and we're going to win the league? I doubt it. But are they saying we can get back into the playoffs this season under Mugger? Yes, that's what they're probably saying. It, they're not a million miles away. You you know you've had you've had some hit and miss results over the last few weeks. The football hasn't been great. Uh, you know we're listening to Ted each morning saying that you know Mugger's been playing players out of position etc. But what I'll always say and um, you know it, it it's it's easy when you're looking at another club but you know we don't know what's going on day to day on the on the training pitch yeah um we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and yeah, true. Mugger, Mugger was gradually getting more and more depressed with with the whole situation you could see that he wasn't he wasn't enjoying it and uh, you know it, it, it's probably the right time but they have to have a plan they have to have a plan and they have to bring they have to bring somebody in who's going to be you know, able to you know able to get a tune out of these players and and quickly. Sunday. Hey, oh really? my jeez! That frightened me as well. <laughs> I'm apologies. I'm lie. That's a good job I'm wearing brown pants. Uh, <laughs> you're coming into the busiest part of the season, the busiest part of the season, yeah. the Christmas fixtures. So you know, it, it's a brave time to get rid of a manager. Um, but they've got to have they've got to have the they've got to have the next one lined up. They really have. You know who else is That's available saying, though? Oh, no. no, nobody's mentioned Graham Potter. Oh yeah, yeah he's, no. he's going to England. He's kind of won the England job, mate. I, I can't see Potter doing it. Really? No, I don't know if he. I don't think he comes down to the championship. I think his next move is his. Not for the wages he's been so. on recently. Nah, nah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's true, yeah. Like- it's got. It, it just strikes me. It has to be a preemptive strike. And that, like as in, suddenly got a plan. You're ninth, Ted. You're equal points with us, yeah. and we're twelfth. You know what I mean? You're equal points with Watford, Cardiff, and us. You're one point behind seventh and eighth in Blackburn and Preston. Now, what message does that send to those clubs? You know what I mean? Watford, Cardiff, you know Middlesbrough. Obviously, you know we've you know we're equal points with you, and you're in ninth position. I mean, it just it just blows me away. Uh, there's got to be some sort of plan there. Um, and you know, even last season, you know that was a shocker there for me as well. You know, you guys, he got you to the playoffs. In in you know in what should have been a, a, a season for you guys just to settle back in you know maybe mid table or anything like that and he pushes out into the playoffs and then there was rumors straight after that once you went out of the playoffs that he's going to get sacked so that, I feel like something since then has been brewing maybe there's been something mm. since that time after that playoff you know because we saw it and we were talking about it on the on the radio that straight after mm. that playoff we you know the, nah, defeat he was he was the rumors were strong you know where there's smoke there's fire yeah. Yeah, well, well, absolutely, and I mean, they were spoken to uh, quite, quite at length with this this young coach, uh, who's obviously now taken the niece job. I don't think they see a coach as a long term solution. Uh, I, I think that's something that they're quite happy to to, to almost see as uh, you know dispensable. But, but they did exactly the same with. Oh my God, his name's absolutely just disappeared out of my head. Little Lee. Um, basically, I mean, you know, in League One. What were I think we're about third, and all right, we got absolutely humped six nil by Bolton, but he's gone, and then it's a, it's a new manager in place. Alex Neil comes in. The fans weren't particularly happy about Alex Neil. Um, we get promoted. Alex Neil leaves us. We get Tony Mowbray. In. The fans there was a lot of grumbling about Tony Mowbray coming into the club as manager. A lot of grumbling, and he's won people over. So. It's, it's, you know, it's, maybe this is the solution. Man, Sam Allardyce was the man for Sunderland, but unfortunately England came calling and we know what happened there. But he was he was the man for Sunderland. He was a perfect fit, ex-player, um, you know, somebody with a bit of pull in the game, somebody who's good at you know transfer dealing at the uh, 
you know, at the business end where, you know, you, you can pick up a bargain here, there and everywhere. Good European contact. He, he was the man, I think. But, um, well, but an expert in the field. Yeah, does to bring joining us on the line is uh, uh, Mackham legend and one of our three legends, Darren Williams. Morning, Darren. Morning, guys. How, how are we doing? Morning. How are you feeling morning, this guys. morning, Daz? You've, you've, uh, are you shocked as we all are? I'm, I'm shell-shocked, mate, to be quite honest. I really am. Um, I know you guys, uh, you've been talking about, obviously, um, last season, towards the end of last season, the playoffs, and how, uh, obviously, there was rumours going about, obviously, about Tony um, you know, being replaced at that time, which, you know, was, you know, mind-blowing to think about at the time after this, you know, what he'd done in the, in the, in the first season back in the Championship. Um, and then this just kind of bowls me over, to be quite honest. Morning, Darren. It's uh, right here from Australia, mate. It's incredible timing of of the actual sacking. We were just talking about the points. Uh, obviously, Sunderland's still sitting in ninth. Do you think it's something uh, that has been preemptive because Sunderland have already lined someone up? I, I have a feeling there's been something maybe going on in the background. I think you know. I feel it's it's a very strange time. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, we, you know, if you look at the the Carrick situation at the start of the season, you know, Middlesbrough being being patient, you know, as as mm. as as uh, as owners should be, you know, I believe because I think in this day and age, you know, there's too much chop and changing, and and the more you chop and change, for me, you, do, you know, it doesn't do, it doesn't benefit the club, um, you know. So I, I'm very surprised that you know what's happened with Tony. I, I'm a bit disappointed because, in all honesty, he's not he's he's not had a, a big budget to work with. Let's be honest, um, you know, if if any really, um, you know, we we lost Ross Stewart. We never really replaced him. Um, you know, we have problems obviously at that end of the pitch in, in, in hitting the back of the net. And you know, for me, it's you know, Tony's one of the best guys to work with the younger players coming through. Um, and, and it's it's a disappointing situation to uh, to you know to obviously hear. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, thing they, they've got you know, hopefully they've got a better idea than what I have of, of, of where they're going to go. Do, do you think, Darren? It's Ted here, mate. How are you doing? You're right. Hello, mate. You okay. Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Do you think, Darren, that this is something to do with, like, you know, we're talking about that interview at the end of the Millwall game where, where Tony was just, he just seemed really deflated, very negative about the situation, saying it would never look like scoring, then, you know, saying that things like that the forwards aren't ready for the championship. I mean, he's, he's not lying, he's, he's, he's telling the truth, he's being honest, but do you think that's almost been seen as too negative by the powers that be and that's, that's ultimately triggered the decision? I mean, it could possibly, you know, that, that you know they obviously see him probably as you know more regular than than we do, kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe you know maybe he's there seeing a difference in Tony. Um, you know, maybe they feel like he's, you know, he's lost a bit of enthusiasm uh, moving forward with the club. Um, but you know, it's it's difficult. You know, you're you're working with you know young strikers. You know, and the, you know mm-hmm. we know what how brutal how brutal the championship is. Uh, you know, and how demanding yeah. it is. Um, you know, so it's it's understandable that Tony, you know, is feeling a little bit down because, you know, when you haven't got an out and out striker there who you know who's going to get you twenty goals a season, you know, who's who's reliable, who you know has been in and around for a little bit, um, you know, it, it's quite disheartening when you know you, you're not scoring goals, but you, you're dominating possession in games, you know, week in week out, which which you know which Sunderland do, um, but you know it's disappointing when you know you, you're not you're not coming away with three points and. You know, I, I feel that Tony, you know, would have been disappointed, very disappointed, you know, not to get three points against Millwall. Um, and I can understand why he was a little bit down. But, 
you know, is that is that reason to get rid of a manager? You know, I'm not not 100 sure it is. To be quite honest. Yeah, absolutely. Just just one other thing as well. I mean, obviously, you know, he's gone, but, but we're now looking at replacements. Uh, Speakman and Louis Dreyfus have said that, that you know, it, it starts immediately, the search. Uh, one of the people that, that are mentioned as a, a front-runner for this, albeit he's still at the club in Sheffield United, one of your former teammates as well, Paul Heckenbottom. What, what, what do you think of Paul? Is, 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 he kind of, is he the sort of name that we should be going for next? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a great lad. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he's done good good jobs in the past. Um, I think, obviously, going back to Sheffield United this time, you know, it was, it, it was always going to be a tough ask, you know, let's be honest. You know, the, the Premier League's brutal, uh, you know, and it, it, it's a tough job uh, to go back, you know, to to a club that, you know, is, is pretty much like a bit of a yo-yo club, isn't it? You know, let's be honest, it's yes. you know, up and down in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's a great guy. Um, you know, he's he's quite attentive to detail. Um, you know, he he'll, he will he will demand the best out of lads in in the right manner. Um, but for me, I think you know you, you you've got major experience with Tony, and you know he's worked in mm-hmm. worked in the championship and around the championship for for a long time. Um, and you know, I've I've seen the progress obviously he's made since he's been here, which is which is disappointing. And this is this is what you know. This is what we're trying to get at. But um, yeah, you know, Hecky could be in line. I mean, obviously, I've seen Potter's name mentioned about. But then, you know, financially, are you going to be able to go and get Potter? You know, this is the thing. You know, it, it all depends on the guys upstairs. Uh, for me, you know, and yeah. and, and how uh, how adventurous and how you know how, how they want to invest in the club and move the club forward. Which you know, they they have been doing a good job. But you know, like I say, this is this has kind of hit me out of the blue a little bit. You know, because I don't feel. That we're you know we're in a bad position, um, yeah. but nowadays it just doesn't seem to matter. Darren, we said that 15, when we had Lee Johnson months. as well. Like, is, is fifteen months enough time for a, <laughs> yeah. any manager to turn a club round? I don't think it's enough time to turn a club round because you know I, I think if you know if you if you're gonna if you're gonna back him financially, um, you know which you know I'm not saying I haven't in a sense, but. Not as much as you, you probably would need, and you know, you look at the championship this year. You know, you've got Leicester, you've got Leeds, and there you've got Norwich. I mean, you've got clubs that you know have been in and around the Premier League for you know for a few years, and who, who can compete. And you know, it wasn't that long ago Leicester, Leicester won it. You know, it's, it's you know, and then you've got to compete. You look at Leicester's squad. You know, it, it's it's phenomenal the squad they have. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know to to say that we've got you know three young strikers. You know, it's you know it's a bit disappointing for the for the way I see the club. You know, I see the club as, as, as being as being a big club. Um, you know, and, and one that should be up there. Uh, big question away. for you, Darren. The big we've got we've got a big question yeah. for you. Obviously, we've been talking about it on the show this morning. Um, we'll be talking about it yesterday. We'll be talking about it until January the sixth. The FA Cup draw, mate. Sunderland <laughs> versus Newcastle. What's it like to pull on the red and white shirt and play in one of those games? Mate, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the hostility that we, we went through, obviously going to St. James a couple of times when we won 2-1, you know, was was just... It, it, it was kind of funny in, in a sense um, because whatever they, the hostility they give us just made us, you know, more determined to win the game, to be quite honest. Um, you know, and going there and winning 2-1 in two, uh, twice was, you know, was, you know, back, back-to-back was unbelievable and... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the game in a sense um, because obviously we haven't had a derby for a long time. But it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what 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 the um, 
what, what shall we say, what the difference is between the two clubs now. Um, but, you know, like I say, the more hostility we got, the, the harder we fought and the harder we played. So, you know, all, all, thank, all thanks to the Newcastle fans that we went there and won 2-1 twice. <laughs> get in lads get in oh, look, Darren Darren just one other thing as well obviously with it being a cup game and obviously you're going to be doing the show with Clarky can you just make sure he wears an appropriate t-shirt mate <laughs> I hope he's listening <laughs> cheers mate Baggy's a good lad. I've got his back. Don't worry. Oh, of course. He's all right. He's all right. <laughs> Just before we let you go, uh, Darren, who, who who would you like to see in the hot seat? Mate, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, you know, heck and bottom, because obviously, you know, I, I know him well. You know, he's a good mate. And that's not saying because I'm after a job. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, no, I mean, you know, obviously... We could be the new like commentary Paul, team. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> Somebody like Potter would be would be good, um, you know, from his experience, etc. But you know, for me, it's it's a tough one, mate. It's a tough one because you've got to, you've got to get a manager who can who can work on, on a low budget at this moment in time until obviously the you know the, the guys upstairs feel it's necessary to release the funds. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm heck and bottom, you know. He, He's good, he, you know. He, he can work. He can work with young lads. He, you know, he's got an enthusiasm for the game. You know, he wants to do well. Um, but you know, it, like I say, it's a it's a shot in the dark at this moment in time, mate. I don't know who who they're looking at, um, and you know, and, and where they're going to go with this. Yeah. Yeah, we're all pretty much in the dark on that one. Uh, listen, Darren, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, you can check out Darren. Thanks, um, Yeah, he is a legend. One of our three legends. You can uh, check out the three legends, which I think might be tasty uh, this Friday. Friday from yeah, six uh, with Craig Hignett, Lee Clark and Darren Williams. Cheers, Darren. Cheers, guys. Take care. Have a good one. Cheers, thank Have you. Great morning. Cheers, Darren. Bye-bye. All right, uh, we're, we are late for the news this morning, um, but it's, this is the North East Footy Brekkie on the Count, the Tune and the Red, and we'll be back to chat more North East football right after this. The wonderful sound of Kelly Clarkson on the Count, the Tune and the Red, seven minutes past eight this morning on the North East Footy Brekkie. How are we doing, chaps? Are we all right? Big news this morning for those people waking up. Uh, Tony Mowbray is gone, been sacked by Sunderland after 15 months in the job. Um, Ted has uh, created this long list of uh, potential new managers to come in. Some interesting names on there. Who would you fancy? Make sure you text in on the WhatsApp number. David De Gea linked with a move to Newcastle United um, as a, a potential standing goalkeeper because Nick Pope's injury looks as if it's going to set him out for about four or five months. Um, but yeah, lots to talk about as always on the North East Football Breakfast Show. And uh, I think because we didn't do them at seven o'clock, we're going to have some headlines. Yeah, and I think there's only one team really we can start some headlines off with, isn't there, Ted? Yes. Are you alright for this? <laughs> I'm, I'm emotional, but yeah, I'm going right. to make it through. <laughs> right, is oh. it going to be interesting? Yeah. Rewritten. <laughs> yeah, rewritten hastily, very hastily. <laughs> and proud. Yeah. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans, or is it a good morning? Like you've been hearing all morning uh, on the show today, and of course last night. Sunderland have last night sacked Tony Mowbray. 
The club has confirmed Mike Dodds will lead the first team's training and match preparations until the process to appoint a new head coach has concluded. A club statement read Sunderland AFC has this evening partnered company with head coach Tony Mowbray. The club would like to thank Tony for the positive contribution he's made through the past two seasons alongside his assistant Mark Venus who also departs. Sporting director Christian Speakman said all at FCFC have thoroughly enjoyed working with Tony and he is quite rightly held in high regard by our players and staff and supporters. After arriving at an uncertain time, he helped us to, to sky the championship playoffs and played an important role in developing our team. This was a difficult decision to make, but we remain loyal to our ambition and our strategy and felt that now was the right moment to take this step. We are now focused on identifying the right candidate and we will continue to support our coaching team and players through the interim period. Elsewhere, Sunderland have begun talks over a new contract for fullback Niall Huggins, a report from iNews has said. Sunderland signed versatile defender Huggins from Leeds United in the summer of 2021, and after a couple of challenging seasons with injuries, the Welshman has found himself a place in the side. Huggins' agent, also a former Sunderland player, Ian Hart, spoke about the situation, praising the player before suggesting something could be on the horizon. He said, Niall's had an amazing season so far, He's had to be patient, he's been injured for a year and a half. I've always known when he was at Leeds, he was a top, top player. He can play right back, he can play left back. He's been rewarded for his form with a call up to the Wales national team. He just needs to keep doing what he's doing. He's got a year and a half left, so we'll just have to watch this space. Another player represented by Ian Hart is Jack Clark, who remains happy at Sunderland, although the agent admits he still could leave in January, according to quotes again provided by iNews. The winger is under contract at the Stadium of Light until 2026 and was the subject of heavy interest from Premier League outfit Burnley in the summer. The Clarets saw several bids rejected which eventually totaled over £10 million, and he has been the Black Cats standout performer this season. Sunderland are keen to secure as much as possible for his services due to the huge sell-on fee which could be due to former club Tottenham Hotspur. Postacoglu's team could earn up to 50% of any revenue received for the attacker, having inserted the clause when they sanctioned his exit in 2022. However, Clark's agent Ian Hart claims he, his client is happy at the club, while indicators are that Sunderland will only sell for a fee around £20 million. And that's this morning's Sunderland headlines. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. What a relaxed morning we had. Huh? Not much happening, except our injuries. My goodness me. Well, the big news from the Northeast may have come from the other club this morning, but nevertheless, Michael Carrick is still one of the greatest gaffers in our time. I rewrote that in this morning. I'm proud of it. Michael is running five kilometers every day in December for a total of 155 kilometers by the end of the month for charity. Michael is running to raise funds for the Michael Carrick Foundation and given the weather and busy schedule Borough face in an incredible December ahead. Uh, it's an incredible effort by the boss. If you want to find out more or help in any way, head to michaelcarrickfoundation.com. And Borough will regain the services of Matthew Hoppy uh, come January as the strikers' loan spell ended at the end of the current MLS season. San Jose Earthquakes did have a purchase option for the on-loan Borough striker, but chose not to activate it with Hoppy scoring two goals in eight appearances. Hoppy now is back on the tee side, but he can't play due to EFL restrictions until January. Matthew was said to be keen to fight to show his worth at the Borough, and it could become as a fantastic time with only two strikers on the books at Borough at this moment. And Hoppy could be rejuvenated under Michael Carrick's new regime. And Terrell Argyman has come out as a surprise choice to possibly fill in at right back for the Borough this weekend against Ipswich Town. Plagued by injuries and suspensions, the Borough youngster joined the club in the summer from Manchester City's Academy 
and played some of the friendly matches over the summer. However, the 21-year-old was always signed as a project with no senior experience on his CV, and he's been working currently with the under-21s. He did have a short loan spell at Hartlepool United, too, where he made four appearances, but they were playing him as a central midfielder, which is said to be his more comfortable position. Despite much of last season at right back for City's Premier League two champions, it would be a huge ask for the youngster if called up. But such are the times for the Borough that we might need to lean on some of these youngsters. Borough fans, good morning. That is your Borough headlines. On to Ipswich we go. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Big changes are in the pipeline at St James's Park, and Newcastle United fans will play a big part in whatever comes next. Uh, this comes from a report in the Evening Chronicle last night, where the Magpies hierarchy have made no secret of the fact that they've brought experts in to conduct a feasibility study to look into every possibility of stadium expansion and improving the matchday experience. Part of that study has included a fan survey, which was sent out to supporters last night which asks the St James's Park faithful for their take on how to enhance the stadium itself, along with the matchday experience on Tyneside, and more of that to come. Following a pitch inspection at Whitley Park, last night's Premier League 2 home fixture against Leeds United was postponed. No new date has been arranged yet. The same venue is due to host Newcastle's Northumberland Senior Cup tie against Bedlington Terriers this Wednesday, but a decision as to whether that will go ahead as planned will follow in due course. Newcastle's FA Youth Cup as well uh, against Leighton Orient is now confirmed as a noon kickoff on Tuesday, December the 19th at Whitley Park. Uh, as a consequence of that, a further new date will need to be found for the under-18 Premier League visit to Manchester City that had been rearranged then. Uh, and meanwhile, United's under-18 Premier League home meeting with Middlesbrough scheduled for Saturday, which fell victim to the weather. That will now be played at Little Benton on Saturday, March the 2nd with an 11 o'clock kickoff. That's your Newcastle United headlines this Tuesday morning. Well, what a morning it's been on the North East Footy Brecky already. Uh, you can have your say on Audible 3 or 43 2002. That's our WhatsApp. Uh, Ian from Saltburn has been in touch. He said, um, you know, it's a good time to leave Sunderland at the moment with an 11-0 loss at home to Newcastle being drawn out of the FA Cup bag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, good morning, yeah, I know. Shouldn't be uh, drinking at this time of the morning. Aim higher, mate. Aim higher. Good morning to Kane, who's contacted us via the WhatsApp. Morning, Kane. How are you doing? Great show, guys. Uh, he says that's uh, that's very very kind of him. Um, we've also given uh, our friend Jack a heart attack this morning. Because uh, when he heard me on the radio, uh, he thought he was late for work because he normally listens to my <laughs> show as well. Uh, so morning, Jack. I hope you're okay. And um, we've also had um, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Jeff, who's out in Lanzarote uh, at the moment. Um, and uh, he said there's over 2,500 comments on the official Sunderland's Facebook page announcing Mowbray's departure. And not a single one is positive about the mood. Uh, the natives are revolting, Ted. I think that's fair to say. He's obviously mm. been to Pennywell. <laughs> All right, that kind of revolting. All right, sorry. <laughs> I'm joking, Pennywell. I'm joking. I'm from there originally. All my family's from there. I can make that joke. Yeah, it's look. It's one of those. Look, when when Mowbray was appointed, I would say that probably around about seventy to eighty percent of the Sunderland fans weren't happy about it. Right, the, you know, the thought oh, it's a bit of an average appointment and all that sort of nonsense. 
and he won us over. So right now, yeah, it, it, it stings a bit because of the brand of football that he's introduced to us. But whoever's appointed, we've just got to get behind them. And, and it's happened now. We, we've got to move on and get on with it. Yeah. Two and a half thousand fans, uh, or, or no, uh, two and a half thousand fans' uh, responses on Facebook. I mean, it, it says a lot, doesn't it? I, I it mean, does. There's a serious backlash here. Of course, there is, and it, you know, he's he's a he's a popular guy, but but ultimately, you know, the ownership are going to take the decisions that they need to take uh, in their in their view. It's great to see that Sunderland fans are, are, you know, backing the manager the way they have. But mm. you know, when it comes to defeats, you know, the, the couple of defeats we had against Plymouth, against Huddersfield, you know, the, the comments take a totally different tone towards towards the manager. Then people saying, you know, his tactics were this, his tactics were that. And look, we're a fickle bunch of football fans. Nobody wants to see Mowbray go because of the style of football he's brought to Sunderland, and I, I can't deny that. And I don't want to see him go either. But Look, it's happened. It ain't gonna bring him back. You know, there's there's no chance the owners are gonna do a, a, a you know an about turn one eighty and go. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, well maybe he's got this wrong. Let's keep him. <laughs> um, that moment's gone. I think definitely things have been in place before that. Where look, we've alluded to it a few times. Things haven't been right. You can tell by some of the press conferences. Many a time we've sat down here, whether whether Radio Dad's been there, Darren, or whether yourself's been there, and we've said, God, he doesn't have sound miserable in the press conference yeah. at the minute. Like mm. We've even talked about it off-air. So I think something hasn't been right in that relationship between the ownership and, and Tony Mowbray for a little while. Um, and, and it's just a case of now, right, we just need to get behind the lads on the pitch. We've, we've got a big game coming up in January, which we've already alluded to. All efforts now should be on finding the right man to one keep us, you know, in that hunt for a playoff place in the championship, and obviously get the best out of the team and push towards this this cup game because ultimately we don't want to make an embarrassment out of, out of ourselves at something like that either. Uh, it's it's important well, that the motivation is there and we will keep moving forward in the right in the right manner. Well, I tell you what, you've I reckon you've you've slashed your budget on sweets and chocolates now, and you can put that towards Jack Clark's new deal. I reckon that's probably got some sort of uh, smarts behind it because your sweets and chocolates budget's just been absolutely cut. If not, I like assume 70%. we should be reveling in the budget. Some of those comments, though. I'm going to hear Some of those comments, just before you jumped in, Steve, sorry. I just wanted to read out this, just so, just quickly. This is from Bernie Slavin, uh, obviously Middlesbrough legend. I just wanted to quickly read this, uh, who said, Keep smiling, Mog. It won't be long till you're back in the job. I suppose getting into the playoffs last season and three points off top six, this is classed as failure at Sunderland. Let's see how they do without you. Sack the guys responsible for bringing players in plus letting them go. So, yeah, hmm. it was a good point. I saw that. Yeah, great point. Great point, and that, it's a bit of a slight at, uh, at, at Christian Speakman, which, which, yeah, which to be honest is is well deserved. I mean, the, the guy's pretty much only taking credit for for Jude Bellingham, and that's nothing to do with with Christian Speakman's sort of aptitude at the job task. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think Bernie Slavin's one hundred percent correct in what he's saying there. Mm. Derby games, Sorry, Steve, you're gonna Derby say. games, Derby games. I mean, obviously we've had one. Um, uh, you know, Middlesbrough Sunderland played each other this uh, you know this season yeah, already. We did. I know oh, you no. say it's not a derby. I know you know. I know you say it's not a derby, but obviously, just just we've had so many over the years. Have you got a favourite game and a favourite goal uh, from a from a derby game, lads? I mean, my my personal favourite, and I've you know I've got, always got 
always got lots of memories from from particular derby wins. Um, I think for me, one of the one of the best goals for for Newcastle was O'Brien's free kick down at Roger Park. Yeah. Um, I know Ryan Taylor and Scott Sellers both scored free kicks as well in derby games, match winning free kicks. But O'Brien's was special. I think it's just the image of him. You know, there's a great photo from the clock stand where you know he's got his arms up. He's the only person in that photograph that knows that that ball is going in when he strikes the ball. Um, and he's got yeah. his hands in the air celebrating the goal and you can just pick out anybody in that ground of a black and white persuasion whether it's players or fans and nobody else is celebrating it and I think but that particular yeah. goal was just a, you know it was it was a, a wonderful start of the season for us as well um, you know we, we went on that wonderful run of 12 games without defeat uh, 12 wins in a row under Keegan it was the beginning of the entertainers era and that that is probably my favourite Derby Derby goal favourite Derby performance it's always going to come down to goals, I think. Really, um, two stand two stand out for me. Peter Beardsley uh, and his hat trick against Sunderland at St James's Park in 1985, when uh, yeah. Rugen Agbula and uh, Gary Bennett also got sent off in that game. That was a that was feisty, but Beardsley also missed a penalty, uh, but he got a hat trick, and not many people get hat tricks in a derby. And I guess oh. the Halloween game, the Halloween game, five one. Um, where Newcastle dismantled Steve Bruce's team, which let's face it isn't very difficult when you th- when you look at what no, you, especially when we had ten men. Like yeah, exactly yeah. Those are my memories. Those are my memories. What about you, Ted? You're you're going to have a few, I bet. Yeah, wait. Well, goal wise, I mean, the the thing is about the the derbies. They've actually thrown up some fantastic goals for both sides. I I actually remember the Liam O'Brien free kick you talked about. A fantastic wand of a left foot he had. Um, but for me, I mean, God, where do you start? There's like there's a top four. Jermaine Defoe's left foot volley was just absolutely sublime, out of this world kind of goal. Um, you had David Vaughan's in the one of the three nils up at St James's Park. Uh, David won absolute beauty into the top corner there. Who else have we got? The the one for me, the the one that I still get goosebumps over now is the Barini one. Um, the one where Josie Altador lays it off. He'd only just come on as a substitute and and just he he hit one of those sort of slices in the top corner. It was just a, a stunning goal. But then I guess the one that tops them all has got to be it, it's got to be Richardson's free kick. Because, I mean, he nearly took the goal out of the ground with that. It was an absolute rocket. Uh, so, yeah, the favourite goal's got to be that one. The the favourite performance would have to be um, would have to be the Dirty Knees one. De Canio's derby win at St James's, the 3-0. I, I can't remember a time when I've, when I've been more comfortable with a, with a, a 3-0 scoreline in my life. It was, uh, it was just, yeah, a fantastic win. Great memories. And, yeah, hopefully we'll get those days back again starting in January. Mm, would be nice would be very nice one of my favourite memories yeah it would be back in 2016 when Middlesbrough went back up to the Premier League we versed Sunderland and Christian Shawani scored an absolute screamer at the stadium a lot and he uh, made Mm -hmm. it 2-1 for the Borough in a victory there uh, after Patrick Van Van Holt uh, someone you know familiar to Sunderland fans had had, uh, had, you know uh, got one back for the for Sunderland as well but that's Shawani streamer I remember it back in the Premier League, it was early days. There was no Karanka fallout or anything like that. It was an absolute worldly goal and uh, just, you know, you know, just showed that we're back in the Premier League at that stage and we, you know, came away from that, from a win. And we actually were sixth in the Premier League as well after that win as well. We were like, oh my God, what's happening? 
Uh, and then obviously it all fell apart. But honestly, but that, apart from that, it was it was one of the worldly goals. And then I have to go right back for a Newcastle game uh, that I think I'd have to go back to probably 2006 uh, when Middlesbrough beat uh, Newcastle one nil uh, on October. I think it was October somewhere around there. We were we were a different club back then. Uh, we had like Jason Yule running around, but it was Yakuba that got the goal for us. But the big thing was that was. Um, you guys had uh, James Milner uh, playing for you at that stage, and you had Craig Moore as well, the Aussie defender um, as well. So uh, it was it was interesting for me watching that. But you had Scott Parker who who'd put an absolute worldly shot out. I'm, I'm talking 40 yards out. It was a screamer, and Mark Schwartz has pulled off one of the best saves I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, top left, of, you know, right hand uh, with his right hand. It was an absolute screamer to stop. Uh, we ended up winning that one one nil. So yeah, they're the two that spring to mind for me. But that Shuani goal against Sunderland. 2016 is probably my all-time favorite. I was just, I was limbs. You can, you know what I react like. I was limbs in that Stuani. I understand it. I remember the uh, the, <laughs> the Emerson goal at the Stadium of Light. Yeah, uh, I mean that. that I was, was there for that. Yeah, what a goal! What a strike that was. Yeah, um, superb. And 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 who can forget the you know this season? I mean. Oh, uh, I, I didn't want to bring it up again, but but I'm no, going to bring it up. Um, yeah, uh, was the referee or no, no, no? Because uh, <laughs> we totally destroyed you. Um, but anyway, yeah. let's 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 move on from that. Radio Dad has been in touch. Uh, he's sleeping. Oh, hey. He's sleeping. Da- it didn't sleeping. last that very long. Um, uh, he's messaged to say, uh, "Fantastic show, uh, even better than yesterday." So that's that's kind of him. Um, oh, but, nice. um, I don't think he said that as he does. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> let me just ad lib. Uh, ad lib. Yep, I'll read what he really said. Um, uh, for Sunderland to bin Tony without a replacement being lined up suggests some kind of breakdown between Mogger and the board. It's a bizarre decision, yeah. wrong and disappointing. Uh, that's from our radio dad. Um, uh, there's got to be of some kind of breakdown. Uh, one of the rumours that came out was um, the whole thing about uh, he's gone because Jack Clark was going to be sold. What do you make of that? Well, mm. look, everybody knows the model of the club. And you know that ultimately, the only thing the only thing I can think where that, that's, there may be some truth in that rumour is the fact that if we do, and we will, we will sell Jack Clark because that, that's what the club is built on now. We unearth talent, we polish it, and then we sell it on for profit. And, and the idea is that hopefully you reinvest that in the team. Mm. Now, we got... Around about ten million, I think it was for Ross Stewart. Just around, yeah, ten million, I think it was. And we, we've been proven right to sell him because look at him; he's injured again. He's now out until till the new year. Great decision to to to, to sell him for that kind of money. But that money, uh, you know, at least spend half of that on on a on a striker, you know, and and bring somebody else in. So maybe the worry is that okay, right? Well, if you are going to sell Jack Clark and. If, if there is any truth in this this rumour that Middlesbrough... Uh, sorry, Middlesbrough. Uh, they couldn't afford him. Um, if, if Tottenham... <laughs> Can't get us off your mind, can you? Please. <laughs> Poor man's easy I was, planning, I was planning another gag, but it's okay. I've ruined it now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So basically, if, if Spurs are entitled to 50% of this fee, bear in mind, we got Jack Clark for nothing. Okay? We got him for free. Mm. If Spurs are entitled to 50%, then yeah, of course that's why we're going to be looking for for twenty million kind of fee for him. 
on the balance of play, he's, he's one of the top scorers in the championship. He's a, he's a very, very good winger. So it, it's not an unreasonable amount of money to expect for that. But we're only going to get 10 of that. Now, by the time everybody's had their slice of that, you possibly look at it, maybe it's only 5 to 8 million of that actually being used to strengthen the squad. And they're not doing that. They're currently not doing that. So I think maybe, maybe, and I'm, I'm just sort of putting it out there, maybe the conversation has been that, right, well, if you sell him, I want some of the money to, to reinvest. And they've gone, no. And I, I, I think that's where some of the fallout well, has happened here. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Great quote. Um, <laughs> do you worry? Do you worry no. you become then a like like a feeder club, Ted? If you, I mean, I, I like the the idea, and I know that Middlesbrough are probably heading down the same route where we where we're buying young and, and and making you know strong you know players out of them, and then you're selling them on for a, for a profit is a great business strategy. But then do you become a bit of a feeder club, you know, where you get the stars, you know, you've seen Jack Clark rise from the, you know, we've got young Izzy Jones. We see, you know, even Law McCabe who made his debut the other week, you know, in four to five years time, you know, we're selling him onto a Man City or something like that. I know it's probably inevitable, but do you get, yeah. do you get frustrated or, or do you get worried that you just simply become a feeder club then for the bigger teams? And at what point does Sunderland say, well, no, we want, you know, the way, the way we get back to being a big club is having Jack Clark in, in, you know, on our on our team sheet. Of course, you want your best players to stay, but but unfortunately, the, the world doesn't work like that, right? And uh, I mean, mm. a feeder club, possibly a little bit kind of um, a little bit too far the other way. But you look at where <laughs> Southampton used to be in the Premier League as as a club, and they used to you know unearth a lot of talent. That they sold the likes of Walcott, they sold Van Dyke, they sold. Lalana, you could go through that side mm. and go, well, they've moved on. Schneidlin went to Manchester United for quite decent money. So, yep. you know, you need to kind of unearth these players. But where Southampton failed and ultimately found themselves in the same division as us is the money that they were bringing in for those players ultimately didn't get invested wisely. And now, mm. I think what they're trying to do is to create a similar situation with Sunderland where they'll, they'll grow the talent, they'll nurture the talent. And yes, they will sell it on profit but I think there's this reluctance and almost this little bit of fear to reinvest it in more playing stuff and that that's the problem that we currently see ourselves in mm, interesting times interesting times yeah it'll be it'll be it interesting is, it is. to see what you know how long you're at without a gaffer now and without without a manager or, or a head coach whatever you want to call it these days and you know if if Sunderland didn't really have a plan b then you know why the time was now to get him out do you know what I mean so you know, if they if they come out today and say, look, you know, he's gone, but our search starts now and all that sort of stuff, then why now? It just I don't know, it just baffles me. You know, you, you well, think maybe, that maybe they've got to say that to the you press. Think there's maybe something lined up. up. Yeah, I, 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 of course. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a, a more ready solution available to this one. Mm. It'll be interesting to see over the next couple of days who else get gets linked. Um, but I wouldn't be massively surprised, mate, if we have somebody in for the weekend. Really? Mm, wow, wow, that quickly. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I honestly do. I honestly do. I, I, I think there's uh, there's irons been in the fire for a little while with us now. Wow. Yeah. Well. Well. Um, we're gonna take a break. We'll get some uh, sports headlines, and then when we come back, maybe Ted, you can fill us in on uh, on who you'd like uh, to fill that gap by the weekend. Uh, we'll do that right after this. From Yarm to Yibe. Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast. 
Good morning, gentlemen. It is the Northeast Footy Brecky. You can get in touch if you would like to have your say on the whole Tony Mowbray situation. Or double three or or four three two thousand and two. As we heard earlier, uh, Ted. Two and a half thousand not very happy fans on the uh, official Sunderland Facebook page. Uh, yeah. Really disgruntled. Some wicked comments. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. some of them. <laughs> I, I was trying to find some I could read out on here, but no, no not many. We'll, we'll just move on. <laughs> not many. <laughs> no. Plastic, not, not plastic pictures, lads, is another thing that, that I stuck on the headlines this morning. Yeah, yeah, just to, just yeah. to give Ted yeah. five minutes break from the, 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 the intended <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're going to be banned from the Scottish Premier League from next season I mean they're, they're not in our Premier League now in, in, in this country but um, plastic pitches lads were you ever a fan of them because I mean it was Luton Town if you remember back in the back in the 80s who had a plastic pitch QBR as well I think had one yeah. um, you know one or two other teams followed suit and they've got pros and cons I mean the original plastic pitches were were, were literally that and I mean you know the grazers you got on your knees from playing five or seven places were, were awful but um, yeah, you know you know Injuries, different types of injuries, you know, were, were common with, with plastic pitches. I mean, is it good to see the back of them now, lads, do you think? Or uh, or is there still room for it? Because I think at the non-league level, um, you know, Concert, for example, have got a, a 4G pitch at their place, possibly Durham City. 5G now. Durham City as well. And I think for a local mm. club like that, it's massively beneficial because it gives you the opportunity to expand your club and, you know, have a reserve team, have, you know, allow a Sunday team to play at your ground, you know, to have a female team there. You know, you name it, you can do it. You can have you you can bring on the kids teams as well, which 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 brings in, in, in you know enhanced revenue and more revenue streams for, 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 for non league clubs. So I think for non league clubs it's massively beneficial. But I just think for the Premier League, I think, you know, in, in Scotland now it seems as if that's going to happen, and and, and I also want to know who on earth pays for the, for the removal of it and and the replacement with grass. Uh, you know, it, it, it's yeah, an interesting question. one. But were you were you fans of plastic pitches, lads? Nah, not at all. Not for me. I'll just. I mean, the the thing for me is obviously I've just recently seen it with uh, the Aussie lads. They travelled to Dallas in the international break, not last one, the week, the one before that. They went over and played in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and that was OmniTurf. Uh, and that was the hardest, you know, footballing pitch I've ever seen. And we saw three or four Australian players come out injured. And I reckon it had, you know, it was the starting for Riley's, you know, foot injury now that we're missing Riley McGree for so long uh, after playing on one of those pitches. So I've never really been a fan of it at all. I remember Loftus Road, I think it was a QPR had yeah, with yeah, one yeah. ones to do it back in the 1980s as well. And I remember people actually, you know, breaking their ankles. And that was, you know, different days back then, you know, you had people slide tackling in and everything like that. But I remember the, the injuries coming out of it from then and that's, you know, there was a reason they got rid of it. I think for football, it, it, it's not, especially at the Premier League level and, and the, you know, the international level and that, it's, it's not okay to have. I think it's not safe for a football. I think, you know, with their ankles and the way they're trying to get the ball, uh, move the ball around and trying to get round players and stuff like that, it just leads to bigger injuries and, and you need sort of, you need just traditional grass for that. I think for like your NFL and, and all that sort of stuff, it's probably okay. I can I get the low league argument as well. There's probably some cost cutting in there as well. If you put turf down, there's no you know need to, to take care of it. And you know during the the, the wild winters that, that England do have, uh, it's probably hard to keep you know grass green without you know having the big you know stadium lights that they have you know to keep it warm and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I, I do get it for that. But uh, for, for no for professional Premier League, uh, even the Championship and that, I, it's not it, it can't happen in in the future. It's got to get rid of. It. It's just too hard and it's too, it's just causing too many injuries. Teddy, what do you reckon, mate? 
Well, on the on the rare occasion that I do or, or infrequently pull out the boots, I do actually play on a four G pitch, uh, just mm. just in the nearby city. And uh, to be honest, if I'm doing it less and less because it, it's just always at the back of my mind that this is this is going to hurt me at some stage. Yeah. Um, I find it remarkably easy, like sort of on the four G pitches especially, like catching the bottom of your studs and and just basically. It, it it jars the ankles. You know, you, you yeah. just catch yourself yeah. more often than not. It's it's an unrealistic. Nothing I'll ever replace proper proper turf. You know, and a, and a well put no. football pitch. I get it because you know where I am in Cyprus. Obviously, you know it's, it's three hundred and twenty days of sunshine, and and the summers are absolutely you know that they are hell hot. You're talking you know, early forties and things like that. Grass is just gonna die. You know. Um, so I understand why it is used, especially at that level. You know, you see a lot of academy kids and that sort of thing using those pitches, and that's fine. But as far as like sort of um, as far as the adults' version of the game, I think it's very dodgy, and it, sh- it should be kind of maybe just limited to uh, to, to the likes of the academies. Um, yeah, it, it. I don't like it. It hurts. <laughs> Basically, is, is, yeah, is my yeah. end quote on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I think it causes too many injuries for sure, and I think it's a smart decision for sure. Do we know why they've made this decision? No, there's just clearly some kind of you know meeting, and it, it, their top level has suggested that it's time to take it out. But there's no there's no suggestion that there's been any complaints or anything. But maybe it's just time to move mm. on. I don't know whether tactical it's a advantage, thing. maybe, mm. possibly, yeah. Do you I mean, Steve? Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's one of those things that they look at and think, well, you know, it does give an advantage to those people who who play on it. But I'm, I'm not sure. It, it'd be one to watch. I mean, it's it's you know, it's a suggestion rather than a, you know, that that it's going to happen. It'll be interesting to see how how it all pans out. But I'll do a little bit more research into that, and we'll come back and see what the progress is in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. All I saw was yeah, Neil Doncaster, which was the SPFL chief. He apparently he's the one leading the discussions behind it, and then. They'll get all the 12 top flight themes in to, to get rid of it. And apparently Kilmarock, somebody please pronounce that better for them than I can in their Scottish tongue because is it Kilmarock? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, they, they've got the 3G surface. Uh, and they, But they, they're also a rugby park as well. So, I, you know, with rugby, you know, they, they tend to play on it as well. And I know that's a big thing in Scotland is that, you know, most of the Scottish teams, if not, you know, the majority of them, apart from your Celtic Rangers and the other big ones, share the pitches with rugby teams. So... Um, you know, it, it, you know it, when it is turf and you've got rugby and football being played on one weekend, it, you know, it does get chewed up, doesn't it? You know what I mean? So a plastic pitch probably saves the groundskeeper and all that a lot of hard work, but it does lead, tend to more injuries and that's not, that can't be good or safe for anyone. So, you know, even though, you know, you get a lot of people and teams in England sharing pitches with rugby teams, you know, you can't compensate for one and injure the other sort of thing. So it needs to be just turf and yeah, we need to get on with it. Mm. Yeah. I think stuff. one of the other stories that, that has broken yesterday uh, that, that I thought would be interesting and, and just to get your thoughts on is the new uh, Sky Sports deal that has been signed. Huge deal. Uh, Huge I mean, deal. Absolutely. I mean, money! Yeah, it is all about the money. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be 215 live games each season for Sky. Uh, they'll get all the first pick of matches. Uh, 10 all games live uh, on a Sunday from 2 o'clock so all games mm-hmm. will be live uh, they'll still do their Super Sunday uh, all the final games uh, at the last day of the season will be live as well 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 more festive games than ever before. Uh, I mean, they've 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 really gone for it, haven't they? Six point seven billion dollars. I mean, yeah. $6.7 billion for the television deal between Sky and TNT. It's incredible. And you know what's crazy is there's still your 3 p.m. blackout. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing yeah, I mean. that is stuck. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... It's in what? It's 70% increase in, in live games. Uh, I mean, the armchair fan has got to be sat there thinking, yes, uh, this will do for me. Uh, you know, do, is this going to affect attendances, do you think? Yeah. Um, it hasn't done so far, has it? I, I, I think, I think the, the money that you're getting ploughed in by Sky is, is well, you know, it, it, it's always going to be, you know, a big amount. And, you, you know, you, if you don't pay it, then somebody else comes in and takes the... You know, take takes away the broadcasting rights, but mm. I, I I think we're going to get priced out of it. I I filled in the survey that Newcastle United fans were sent yesterday, um, and I, you know the the progress at our club has been phenomenal in a short space of time, but we know yep. that we need a new stadium at our. Uh, you know, if we're going to get any more, you know, fans in, at some point we're going to need a new stadium. So this this survey was very enlightening as to what Peter Silverstone and Darren Eels are planning next and. You know the, the talking about reconfiguration of the ground and 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 you know potentially open the open the attendance. You know probably it doesn't spe- uh, specifically give an amount, but by increasing the the different areas and increasing parts of the ground. But one of the uh, one of the sections was potentially bringing in a, a tunnel a tunnel club seat, which is pitch side. Manchester City have one where you you know you basically you're in a bar and you can see the p- players lining up in the tunnel. It's uh, it's quite unique. Um, I clicked. I clicked. I would be interested in it, and then it gave me the option of, if if a ticket was, if, if you were offered a ticket for this, would you be interested in it? Um, so I just clicked yes, definitely. Then it said, um, if if it was priced at um, twelve thousand five hundred pound a season, would you would you be interested? So I clicked definitely no. <laughs> uh, then I then it said, would you be interested if it was seven and a half thousand pound? <laughs> <laughs> I clicked definitely no, um, and then I then they never offered us another. Uh, so I was trying to get it as low as possible to be fair. Um, but but yeah, I mean this 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 shows you where we're going with football. That's going to drive. It's certainly at a club like Newcastle, we're more likely to be driven away from St James's Park because we can't afford to get in than by Sky doing a deal and, and putting all the games on telly. Um, but I think the more people get driven away from football by the rising prices um, of of going into a Premier League fixture then you know certainly if teams like ourselves who you would classify at the top end at the moment um, I think it'll drive it, it, well it was the working class game it's not the working class game anymore it's a middle class game and now I think looking at the, the plans that Newcastle have it, it, it'll it, it, you know they, they don't really want the middle class there um, they just want the, the upper class it, it's it's definitely a class game um, from our perspective and disappointing it really is. I mean, but if you want success, you know, I guess you've got to pay for it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I fear more for people being driven away from Newcastle United's games because of that than, uh, than I do from Sky, I'm afraid. I was, I was going to ask you about that, Steve, because, like, obviously, you know, the, the, the Geordie fans are absolutely, quite rightly so, elated with the way things are going at the minute. Champions League football's back on Tyneside and all that kind of thing. But at what stage do they kind of love these new owners and, you know, the the, the singing their names and all that sort of thing? At what stage do the Geordie fans start and go, hang on a minute, we're being booted out here? 
<laughs> do they kind of sacrifice not being there um, for the sake of success, or or or, or what? How do you think that'll go down? Uh, it's it's already causing a, an absolute meltdown on social media. The whole um, you know the, the whole survey, and you know we're, we're being asked to be communicated with, but it 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 it's the future. This is where we're at now. Um, yeah. You're gonna have to pay to get in, and you know those of us who are on ten year deals like myself will will have a hefty rise coming in the next year or two, um, and may have to reconsider where you sit if you don't want to pay x amount of pounds to sit in the uh, in the platinum club or the barracks etc then you know you're gonna to have to try and get relocated to a different part of the ground so it's changing times i'm afraid um it's where we're at there's nothing you can do about it you know these are the new owners now they're they're making the club what they want it and you know, you might just have to sit and watch it on sky but yeah there's a there's a bit of animosity coming now um I've said our, our our fan base in particular is is divided, and it always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why I dipped out of the politics a few years back because I, I've done my bit. Um, I've 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 said what I've got to say. I say what I want to say now on on this show and and, and on NUFC matters. And you know my my opinion's my opinion, and you know I'm not representing anybody other than myself. But back in the day, you know I was involved with lots of fans groups. I was involved with the trust at one point. I was involved with NUFC fans united and. Um, good luck to all these people who, who put themselves, you know, in you know heads above the parapet for free um, for something that they do voluntarily because I think there's there's a there's an absolute Fantless, storm coming. It? There's an absolute storm coming mm. with all of this. This this survey is is very 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 interesting. And you know, if anybody has got it and hasn't clicked on it yet, I would advise you to because it's going to give you an indication of what's coming at St James's Park. I mean, you guys are pretty quiet when you're at the games anyway, aren't you? (laughs) Says me, it does. He'll have been happy about about last week's game. Uh, You know, the atmosphere was rocking for Manchester United. But that's, I mean, that's partly to do with the fact we're all out from 12 and had had an eight-hour session to to, to get ready for it. We know, Steve. We know. Um, (laughs) It took me time to recover, lads. (laughs) <laughs> We've had a message in on the WhatsApp from uh, from our pal Jack who we gave a heart attack to earlier. Uh, I don't know what he's referring to here, Rye, but he said, I just love it how Rye chooses a word to pronounce, uh, or chooses a way to pronounce a word, and then just sticks with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's, <laughs> yep. that's just Always. you all over. Uh, look, we're, uh, we're we're heading towards uh, the, uh, the news at nine, and... Um, and next up is is me on mid mornings uh, from nine. Uh, but I just wanted to just come back to the Sunderland story. Uh, just looking at on the Sunderland Echo uh, this morning, they they've put a a, a a page up about the runners and riders uh, to replace day. Tony Journalists Mowbray. Today. Yeah, um, and and the first the first four are interesting. Uh, they've got uh, Graham Potter, uh, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, nope. uh, Roy Keane, <laughs> and Neil Warnock. <laughs> Uh, what do you reckon, Ted? <laughs> Ollie. Yeah, Ollie. Um, I actually used to work for the Sunderland Echo many years ago, selling advertising. So I'm not. I'm not going to say anything negative about my former employers, but that's that's absolutely the biggest load of drivel I think I've ever heard. <laughs> absolute nonsense. Um, what on earth? What on earth is he smoking? Thanks for tuning in. Honestly, 
Dear me, that paper's gone downhill. Um, <laughs> the, I tell you who I'd love, and I, I've, I've just been having a look. It's like, you know, you, you trawl around looking for right who's actually out of work at this moment in time. Now I'm not saying we could get him. I'm not saying we could get him for a minute, but somebody Anyhow. who I would absolutely love to see <laughs> would be Rude Van Nisselrooy. He absolutely worked Wait. wonders with PSV. He only had one season in charge of PSV. He he actually left with one season, uh, one game to play last season. He hasn't found a new club yet, but his record was absolutely like it was breathtaking for PSV. So somebody like him, he's well regarded. I think he's got the stature of somebody players would want to come and play for. Ruud van Nistelrooy, he, the guy's got pedigree. Um, so yeah. Kirill Louis Dreyfus, go and get him. Go and get the man, because I, I, I think somebody like Ruud van Nistelrooy would be would be exactly what Sunderland fans would need right now. The Roy Keane thing, I'm maybe being a little bit harsh on the Sunderland echo. I'm sorry, I'm only joshing <laughs> if you really. Um, the the emotional. I, I quite like them. A, I, I like I like the Sunderland echo. I'm a, I'm a fan. They, they, really? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Great. I. Um, the station out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've had him on, I know. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> and joining us now from the Sunderland Echo is... Uh, <laughs> special guest. <laughs> oh, when he's on tomorrow morning's show, Ted. <laughs> is he? All right, that's brilliant. Oh, I look forward to locking horns. It's been a big day. Normally I it's mean, a, both, normally it's a typed battle I have with him. <laughs> it's been a Sunderland dominated show, but it's I mean it took us all in shock. As I mean, it Steve, should be. you know, Steve <laughs> Steve was the one that first messaged me about it and obviously t- told us all about it, and he was predicting Alan Pardew as well. So I mean, there's there's nah. links all coming from left, right, and centre. So it'll not be Pardew, you know, it'll be absolute murder. It's, it's honestly taken us all by shock. Uh, Steve, did yeah. you think uh, the other day when I asked you about the derby? Obviously, Jack Clark and Mogger. Did you think Mogger would be in charge come that derby? Yeah, I didn't think he'd go this early. No. I genuinely yeah. didn't see Sunderland making this move. I think it's been a shock for everybody. Shock for the Sunderland fans, but shock for Northeast football fans in general to see that, you know, Mogger's no longer in a job. Um, but the signs were there. You know, you look back on those interviews, you know, we, we did touch on it a little bit. He's a bit depressed, is it? Just mm. down to the virus, this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, certainly didn't see... You know him being out before Heckenbottom. I mean, you know that that was the news that we were all expecting to be talking about this morning. The exactly. Sheffield United yeah. were looking for a new manager. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's still it, not. It's Wayne Rooney could be looking. Wayne Rooney could be looking for a job by Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> true. I'm true. joking, Sunderland fans. Don't 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 hear yeah. me. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, look. Does shock it open news, the floodgates, um, Steve? Does it open the floodgates now? I mean, we've seen Heckenbottom. Yeah, merry go round. Yeah. It does happen, the merry-go-round, doesn't it? It, it? And it's always around about this time that you see people, you know, fr- from Halloween onwards, you see the you, you see the axe come down on, on various managers and it mm. looks as if we'll see one or two more go, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Rooney was Radio Dad's favourite, of course, but mm. Ten, Hag, yeah. Ten Hag could be the first one, uh, to, you know, could be the first one to go after Heckenbottom in the Premier League. Um, if, if, if Manchester United lose another couple of games over this festive period, one would imagine his P45 mm. will be in the post if it's, if it's not already. Um but again, that that that'll be tied in with the potential takeover. You know, if if Jim Ratcliffe comes in and um, you know gets gets a percentage of the club, that that could be you know that that, that could be the reason that that isn't happening now. But yeah, lots of lots of potential sackings coming up. Um, I don't think we'll see Michael Carrick depart Middlesbrough. Um, no, and, and and I certainly think Eddie Howe is is safe in his job for the time being. Anyway, 
Yeah. Right. I mean, obviously, we're we're massive Mogger fans. Um, you know, he's yep. a le- Borough legend. Legend. Uh, what, what What do you think's next for him? Where Where does he go next? I kind of like the idea of Swansea. I mean, that I didn't really think of that, but obviously Ted putting that into my idea, you know, my head. I think I think he won't be out of a job for long. I think what he has done at Sunderland is actually successful. You know, he's come up, you know, last season he took a, that team to the playoffs when they were looking for probably league stability. And then this season they're in ninth. I mean, like it's I mean, he's been successful. It's just he hasn't fitted into whatever Sunderland are trying to do. Now, I think there is this adage, you know, of we're saying that the young coach and it's a head coach's game and this whole, you know, managerial sort of style is no longer. But I think Mogger bought into that at Sunderland. And I think he was the great, the greatest person to be there to to coach, you know, a young player. Who wouldn't want to be 19, 20 years old taking, inf- you know, info or, or lessons from Mogger, for goodness sake. You know, he's been there and done that. So for me, I think he's still got a big part to play in English football. Uh, I'm not sure where, though. I'm not sure who's going to do it. And I, I hate to think that most of the teams are now going for this young adage of, um, you know, this younger head coach sort of system where they, you know, they get this young coach that wants to play the way, you know, from out from the back and all that sort of stuff. So I hope we see him again, maybe Swansea. Um, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Maybe he needs a break. You know, maybe he wants a break. So we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, he's a legend of the club. Uh, I'd love, I love him back at Middlesbrough in some sort of capacity as well, whatever role that is. Um, you know, maybe he can come in and, you know, and help behind the scenes at, at Middlesbrough again or something like that. Mm. Director of football. Would you take him, Steve? Would you take him, Steve? No. Would you take Mogger as a, a as a with a, give him a job at Newcastle? No, mate. No, 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 negative. Right, sorry, Mogger, I tried. <laughs> We've done well, lads. We've got to the take, end of the you show. You did take Jack we'll Ross. Managed to get, <laughs> we managed to get Daz. We managed to get Daz through to his own show without too much, oh, yeah, too much harm. Hey. Yeah, it's, uh, you've given That's me a pretty What was your favourite bit of the show? I think Jeez, part of the show has to be cracker. no. <laughs> he also Can said, the there was also another one where he went, there's also another one where he went, yes, and then there was about five seconds yeah, of silence. True. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He's done a no and a yes. Definitely on yes, the highlights the reel for the week. Yes. <laughs> no and yes. <laughs> it's the podcast out. Podcast out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it, love it. Love I'm, it. I'm just, I'm good just show, really, lads, good yeah, show. I'm really pleased that we've been well uh, handled, Ted. We've been on well the air this morning well. uh, uh, to discuss this because it, it is, uh, it is one of those, uh, one of those days that we will look back and 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 just wonder yep. how on earth that has happened. Um, how on earth you got through yep. the show? Yeah, and I, and I just yep. think it's going to be a, a really interesting couple of days. Uh, it you is know, as as. You know, as 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 a Borough fan, uh, watching what's going to happen to to Sunderland, watching them implode over the next couple of days, um, Ooh, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, what? what I mean, I'm, I'm not, we, someone in by Saturday yeah. as well. Ted's uh, predicting uh, someone in by Saturday potentially. So, uh, have you got a favourite? Yeah, watch that. Space. A favourite Ted. Uh, depends what happens with Hickenbottom, but I think I think he's got to be the overwhelming favourite for for the job. Eustace, yes, he's been mentioned, but his win percentage doesn't look great. To be honest, his stats aren't great. But I would like to see Hickenbottom in somebody who understands the club. Hmm. Well, we shall there wait and see. Um, if you want to have your say, O double three O O four three two thousand and two. That's our WhatsApp message. You can WhatsApp at any time uh, to get through to the northeast footy brekkie lads. Uh, the lads will be back. 
uh, for the repeat this afternoon between four and six across the network. Uh, And obviously... In a wee while, uh, you'll also be able to download at your leisure the the Northeast Footy Brekkie podcast, uh, which you can get from all well-known podcast providers, Podbean, uh, Spotify. Just search search for the Cat, the Tune, and the Red, and you can listen at your own leisure. Great show, guys! Um, uh, thank you for looking after me. Uh, I'll be back on no, Thursday. Getting up it. Yes. Yep, See you tomorrow, boys. lads. Yeah. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow Have lads. a good one. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red.